0: Good morning to everyone, it's good to see you. First of all, to Joel Goldman, who's sponsoring a breakfast this morning, in memory of his uh, mother's yardside, who's this week, Lea or Moshe Yaakov, our learning should be in her May she have an Ali, and Gan Eden Shomailah. <coughs> uh immediately prior to Priyas Yamsov, Moshe Rabbeinu, tells Klau Yisrael, Ki Asher Ra'isam Es Mitzrayim Loisoi ad What you are seeing Mitzrayim today, you will never see them uh, again in the future. And the Mechilta comments on this pasuk that in three places throughout the Torah um, we are told, admonished, not to return to Mitzrayim. The first place is in this week's parashah. in is B'shalach. Then again, the pasuk tells us in parashah Shoftim, Lo that the king should not have too many horses and bring the nation back to Mitzrayim. Uman harbosus. To, in order to buy sources of should not re- return to this path again and then again, and then a third time in the Tem Passki subvoy. We're cursed. Kodesh Baruch Hu says we're going to return on slave ships in the same, uh, the t- towards the same path in which Kodesh Baruch Hu took us out initially from Mitzrayim. So in three places we have this uh, Esar not, uh, not to return to Mitzrayim. However, throughout Jewish history from the time of Kriyat Yamsuf there has at different points in Jewish history been co- communities large, small uh, in, uh, in Mitzrayim, in Egypt. And therefore the Rishonim struggle to understand how is this allowed given the fact that it's not only one Easter in the Torah but it seems to be three, it's repeated three times in the, in the Torah, this Easter to return to Mitzrayim. How then was there a Jewish community throughout this, uh, these periods of, of Jewish history? So Rabbeinu Bechai on that Posuk in uh, Parsha of Shaiftim writes, Zum mitzvah L'Sha." this was only a, a temporary measure, k'desh lo yil Yisrael Maaseim, in order that we not be influenced by the, uh, by the uh, Egyptian people who were highly unethical, participated in very grave averas, and therefore we shouldn't, Kedosh uh, Baruch distance ourselves, uh, we should advise us to distance ourselves from their practices by not returning to Mitzrayim. But it was only um, for that period of time in that Egyptian culture in subsequent generations, where they might have adopted a, a different way of life, so then perhaps it is uh, permissible to return to Mitzrayim. And therefore, it, it was never uh, supposed to be an eternal Eser, a permanent Eser This was only a temporary measure because those uh, that society in Egypt was so corrupt. But uh, per, subsequent societies might not necessarily have that same philosophy, and therefore. Would be allowed uh, to move there. So therefore, Rabeinu Ayyoim. and if it was a permanent mitzvah, how then a permanent d'iser? How then were these communities able to settle there? So Rabeinu Bechaye takes the most extreme position that this was uh, that this there was a, a limit on the extent of this prohibition. It doesn't uh, extend to subsequent uh, societies, civilizations that will settle in mitzvahim. The Smag takes a similar approach, but uh, perhaps a little bit more grounding. The smag suggests that this Isar again, was limited to that Egyptian culture because they were so corrupt. However, he writes, as we know, based on the uh, and uh, throughout uh, Chazal, that Sancheirev, who was uh, king of Ashur during the period of the bias Rishon, about uh, you know, 700 before the Common Era. So Sancheirev came and he was Bilbel's Kala umoy. He relocated all of the different nations of the world in order to prevent them from revolting. So Sanchei Rav came, and it was Bilbo as Ha'Umo, so therefore writes the smog, V'Shem HaTaym mishum how were all of these communities able to settle in Egypt and Mitzrayim? This is uh, three times the prohibition. Mishum Sha'ol V'Gam Mitzrayim Nisbablu. Mitzrayim was also uh, confused, and therefore it's not the same Egyptian culture that existed there at the time, which was so corrupt and uh, so antithetical to Torah. And therefore, uh, now that it's no longer the same society because Sancheirav came and he was Bilbo's koloumais. Therefore, allowed to settle there. It's a little bit stronger of an argument. than Rebbeinu B'chai who just says it was, you know, given for a specific time. The smog admits that this is a for that persists right? but it was only, uh, you know, for that Egyptian culture. Once the Egyptian culture was uh, mixed up, the mm-hmm. nations of the world were confused. So then uh, the prohibition no longer applies to the, to let's say, the current Egyptian uh, civilization. was the smog writing? Smag was one of the Rishonim. Oh, where did he live? I don't know. But so in Europe, uh, <coughs> presumably. But they knew, of, they knew of what was going on in Egypt? Sure, but this was going on not only in the medieval period, it was going on beforehand, yeah. during the, the period of Ba'eshainim, we'll get to it in a second. There's a very early community in El Il- yeah. this famous letter. Yeah, it Il- mil- uh, goes way, way back. So the Smag rejects this yeah. approach. The Smag <laughs> himself suggests it, but he rejects it because the Gemara tells us in uh, Mesech the Sukkah. Because the Gemara tells us in Mesech the Sukkah, Amar Vekuhu Katlinu, uh, Alexandros Mokta. there was a community of, the Gemara says in Masech the Sukkah, that was Kiflaim, Kiyotz, and Mitzrayim, who was twice as big as the, uh, the community that, as the 600,000 Jews that left Mitzrayim. Twice as big a community existed in Alexandria, in, uh, in Mitzrayim. In fact, the rule was so big that when the Shliach Tzibor made a bracha, you couldn't hear him, so they had to have different flags when to say Amen. So the Gemara says that that community uh, was subsequently destroyed by Alexandruus Mokdon. Why were they punished? They violated the decease of returning to Mitzrayim. So the Smag himself recognizes that what he's uh, saying is against the Gemara because the community in Alexandria existed uh, Alexandria was founded presumably by Alexander the Great, so that existed way after Sancheirav was during the period of the Ba'is Rishon. The, uh, Alexander the Great was uh, in the period of the Ba'is Sheni. So, so the, this was after Sancheirav was Bilbo's Kalu Umois. and nonetheless, the Gemara says that they were punished for returning uh, to Mitzrayim. Okay, that was what what period? I don't know. Ba'is Bayeshen. uh, Sheni also. <coughs> Either way, this was after Sanchevers Bilbao's Kalumas. That was in the bias region. So, nonetheless, you see that this is or continues even after Sanchevers Bilbao's Kalumas. That's why the argument that the Ritva suggests a different possibility and justifying how the communities existed in Mitzrayim was because these cities didn't exist at the time of Yitzius Mitzrayim. Look back at Oiz David. He writes, "How could it be that communities existed in Mitzrayim?" <laughs> <coughs> the, the cities were confused. V'nechravu, that's the, like the argument of the smog, that Sancheirov came and he was Bilbao's Kolouma. It's confused all the nations. But he writes, yashu <laughs> They're not going back and settling in the old Egyptian cities. They have antiquity. They're, they were settled new cities. Alexandria was a new city. So he writes that that's how they were able to establish Jewish communities there. These cities didn't exist at the time of Yetzirah Mitzrayim, and the prohibition only relates to those cities that existed at the time. But again, that can't, uh, the Gemara Masech Tosukah seems to indicate otherwise. The Gemara is discussing Alexandria, which was established way after the, uh, the Egyptian civilization at the time of Yetzirah Mitzrayim. So, and in fact, the Rambam writes this as well. The Rambam writes in Parakei of Huchas Malachim, uh, that it's prohibited for one to live in Mitzrayim. The Isser continues, not like Rabenu Bechai, it continues, L'day Reis. and he writes that it relates to the entire ge- geographical area of Mitzrayim, not only to those cities that existed in antiquity, but even uh, to new cities, Alexandria, Bechala Isser. He gives you the old geography of Mitzrayim, where it extends <laughs> to, and he says the prohibition includes this entire area, and Alexandria, which he knew was a city that was established after uh, the, the time of Kriyas Yamsuf. It was also part of the Eser. So, therefore, he writes so, Alexandria, Bechlawa, Eser. One is uh, prohibited from uh, even moving to these new cities. So, that, this seems to preclude the argument, uh, at least the Ramah, from accepting the arguments of Rabbi Rabbi, the arguments of the Smag, the arguments of the Ritva that doesn't apply after Sanchev, or to new cities. This applies to the entire geographical area of Mitzrayim. So the Rambam himself was aware, one shouldn't think that this is before San Khai was because the Rambam writes in over here, Oizaian of that uh, that the Mitri who exists nowadays, in Mitraim are not the uh, same Egyptian culture or uh, people that existed then. Because Sanchai was bubbles Ata, the different people. So, and yet the Rambam quotes this Easter and Hilchus Melachim as, uh, as applying uh, even nowadays. He doesn't say, well, the people of Egypt are no longer the same culture, have the same ethos and practices. So he assumes that it continues to apply. So the Rambam assumes that this Easter applies to the entire geographical area uh, of Mitzrayim. It's not limited to that corrupt, uh, unethical uh, Egyptian culture. Yeah. Is the Easter only to settle? Is there any Iser We'll get there, to settle? We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So what then is the nature of the Eser according to the Rambam? Why should one be prohibited from settling there? If the, if the whole reason the Kaddish Baruch Hu told us not to return there is because Mitzrayim was so corrupt, so why can't, uh, why, why, if the, and the Egyptian culture has been mixed up, Sancheiros, Vos Bilbo, called the Umos, these cities didn't exist then, it's clearly a different civilization and culture, why should we be uh, prohibited from returning there? So apparently, and the Rambam believes it's because they're so unethical. If you look at the end of the Rambam, he writes, The Rambam seems to assume that they are so corrupt. That's why we're not allowed to live there. If that's why we're not allowed to live there, but it's not the same Egyptian culture. Rambam moved to the Faustan. We all know that. We're going to get to that, so yes. Uh, that's a problem. When did he write he wrote this many years this? We're going to get to it. We'll get to, Give me a second. Give me a second. <laughs> so apparently, the, apparently the Rambam uh, seems to be of the opinion, this way it's uh, classically understood by the Ahrenim, is the Raman believed that not that Egyptian culture necessarily was corrupted, yes, they were, but it was even deeper than that. The land itself uh, breeds a uh, harmful uh, type of uh, civilization. It itself is corrupt. So therefore, you know, just for example, the Gemara tells us in Moseftus Boba Basra that simply by living in Eretz Yisrael, nothing to do with the society that you're in, the land itself uh, helps a person uh, become closer to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, perhaps w- wiser in the Chochmas Hatera. So just the opposite exists with regards to Mitzrayim. It's the other side of the coin. It's not neutral, but uh, Mitzrayim breeds a harmful spiritual environment and therefore one is uh, prohibited from living there. It's uh, contained within the land itself not the Egyptian people that were precluded from you know, living amongst them it's the land itself is corrupt. And this seems to perhaps be uh, the reasoning behind uh, the next halakh in the Rambam. The Rambam writes, the second to last line over here, Oizvah, Yeroh Ali. Now whenever the Rambam says Ye Ali he's saying something that's not found in a previous Maim or Chazal. The Rambam doesn't give you sources, but the assumption is, everything the Rambam is saying is found in some Maim or Chazal somewhere. Sometimes we don't have them, but then, that's the assumption. Whenever he says Ye Ali, he's going out on his own. So the Rambam says Ye Ali if a king of Klal Yisrael based on the permission, authority of Bazdin will go and conquer Mitzrayim then teras, then would be permitted to live there. We're only prohibited from moving there as individuals or to move there when it's Biada Evde But if it will go and a king will conquer it, with the permission of Bazdin, we'll be allowed to move there. And this is the Rambam's own assertion. The problem is, two halachas earlier, at the, the beginning of Oizvav, the Rambam told us the following. in and elsewhere. any land, whether adjacent, maybe it has to be adjacent, but any land that Klai uh, will conquer with a king alpi pi bezin, kibush rabim that's called kibush Rabbim, as opposed to kibush yachid, as opposed to a king going on his own, uh, rogue and conquering a land. That doesn't become part of Eretz Yisrael. But if he does, the king does so, based on the permission of Beisdin, Harehu Ke Eretz Yisrael Yeshua the That becomes like a, an appendage to Eretz Yisrael. It takes on the qualities of Kedushas Eretz Yisrael uh, for many aspects of living in Eretz Yisrael. So... And certainly then would not be prohibited from living there. So why does the Rambam say, two halachas later, ali, It seems to me that if a king will conquer, Mitzrayim would be allowed to live there. He just told us two halachas earlier, if a king conquers any adjacent lands to Israel, it becomes part of it, it's like annexed in territory Israel. Why should Mitzrayim be any different? So perhaps what the Rambam uh, felt was, Mitzrayim is worse. All the other lands of the world are neutral. I figured Eretz Israel is machim. Eretz Israel breeds spirituality. Other lands of the world are neutral. Mitzrayim is just the opposite of Eretz Israel. It breeds Tuma, it breeds corruption and living an unethical life. So therefore, the Ramam had to go out on a limb and say, but if a king will conquer it, basically with the authority and permission of Bezdin, even Mitzrayim can be annexed to be part of Eretz Israel. But that was a Kiddush, because according to the Rambam, the prohibition of returning to Mitzrayim is not because we're not allowed to be associated with the Egyptian people. It's the land itself is corrupt. And that's why you have to go out on a limb and say, but if it will be conquered by a Jewish king, perhaps one is allowed uh, to live there. That's why I don't think Rav Cook writes in his as the Mishpat Kohen that the Rambam here is telling us it's only prohibited to return to Mitzrayim if you go as like an expatriate. I go by myself as a pioneer, I'm going to go back to Mitzrayim. But if I go there, and, a Jew, and there's a Jewish community there, there's an infrastructure, so it's not lush of not going back as an individual, then it's allowed. And that's how we justified how the Jewish communities lived in Egypt, because there were communities, there weren't uh, individuals living there alone. It, which is ironic, because the Shoal of Yosef uh, Shoal Nathanson, has a tshuva where he argues uh, just the opposite that it's only prohibited to go and settle a community there. If I go as an individual, then it's allowed, and all the Jewish communities were started by individual pioneers who went there all by themselves. Both have the same idea coming from different directions, but all based on this Rambam, but I don't think that what the, the Rambam is telling us. The Rambam is not saying, I can't go alone, but I could go with a group. Safety is in numbers. Is that what he's saying? Because it's not the problem. With, the problem is not the Egyptian people to be influenced by the Egyptian culture. They're not the same Egyptian civilization anymore, anyway. So, the was built by the called The problem is the land. The land is corrupt. So that's what the Ramam is telling us. But if a king conquers it with the permission of Beis it becomes annexed into Eretz Yisrael, and even Mitzrayim can be annexed to Eretz Yisrael, even though it inherently breeds a, you know, a lack of spirituality. Yeah, what do you want to say? the right there? Does he say you have to talk about or Kibush? Yes. So then he's saying clearly that even if you're Kibosh, you can't live there. That's what he goes out on the limb and says, but if a king will conquer it, then okay. That's what he's telling you. That's exactly the context. He starts off, you can annex any lands. Then he says, all lands are neutral. All lands are neutral. You want to live there, live there. Better to live in there. So you want to live there, live there. He mutter. But tribe, you're not allowed to live there. But if a king will conquer it, even though the land is so trafe how do you trying to reconcile the fact that king is not only have a lot of suesim? Yeah, might go back to the same. Clearly, that's not just for that dar because there's my kings in the future. So I'm on well know. Agreed. Right? I mean, and also, I mean, one of the things <laughs> the is king having horses to conquer theoretically. Uh-huh. You know I mean, so. It's, it's, the, whole, the whole question of that one deal or the one circum of having a sus. We'll get back to that, yeah, but what are you trying to say? It seems counter to, to Rabbi Nimachiah because it's not. Only, for sure, Rabbi Nimachiah is very difficult to accept. Like it, seems counter to, 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 it seems like it's, it's forever, and it seems right. like even for the Ramah might have an issue with that because right. you have the, the horses to conquer a land in. Right. What is the height of the horses playing? Well, okay. I mean, it's, 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 Right, Mm -hmm. and he ended up bringing them back there. Okay, so we have, what emerges is the arguments of Rabbi B'chai, that of the Ritva and the Smag, that it's not the same towns anymore, it's not the same cities, it's not the same civilization, doesn't necessarily seem to matter according to the Rambam. It's something that's inherent about the land, that it breeds a, a lack of spirituality, and to conduct an unethical life, it itself is corrupt. So if that's the case, so then we're left uh, with the old problem that we started with, is how then were there uh, established communities in Mitzrayim uh, throughout uh, Jewish history? And the Rambam himself... Uh, well, lived in Mitzray very, very is prominently well known. How was the ramam himself able to do this if he doesn't subscribe to any of the uh, justifications that Rabbi in the Smag and the Ritzvah suggested? So in fact it says in the Sefer Kaftu Beferach, which is of Ishtari HaParchi, who lived at the beginning of the 1300s, middle of the period of the Rishonim, and he uh, documented the different boundaries of Eretz Yisrael, and he talked about a lot about the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael and the different Jewish communities. So he records that the Rambam used to actually sign his letters. However, Begimu mitzvahs, uh, begin averus and that he who violates three Averis every day, these three Surm in the Torah of dwelling in uh, Mitzrayim. Later, Rishayim uh, and don't accept this. Uh, Eidos, we don't have no such letters uh, other than the, the other than the. Uh, then the, uh, the fact that it's recorded in the Sefer Kaft of Aferach, we have no other supporting evidence that the Rambam actually did this. So the Rambam obviously must have believed that he was justified or was permitted for him to stay there. How was he allowed to do this? So the Radvaz, uh, on that uh, on the Rambam, writes so over here in Ois Ches, V'yeh Tam, uh, based on a comment of the Talmud Yushalmi that the Rambam quotes. The Yushalmi says that the only time one is prohibited from going back to Mitzrayim is if he goes there to settle. And the Rambam quotes this. On the third line, right after the period, the Rambam writes, So you're allowed to go there uh, temporarily in order to do business. The only Yisr is uh, to dwell there in a permanent fashion. And it sounds like even more than that from the Rambam. It's not just that the Easter is to go and live there, you know, to move there permanently, but to go and to, uh, let's say go there temporarily and uh, to travel there, uh, having without having a mind to stay, is permitted. It sounds like from the Rambam, the whole Easter is not going in the first place; the Easter is staying, because the Rambam writes uh, right after that halacha, on the fourth line, "V'aini ezer u'shtakehasham, v'ain liken alavze." There's no malchus for this love. When you came in, it was permitted. If you later change your mind and you want to stay, there's no action that's associated with it. And as we know, it's machlekas in the Gemara, but as we know throughout Shas, we accept that if there's no uh, action associated with the prohibition that you violated, there's no malchus. It's not punishable. The, uh, I'm sorry, so the Rambam says that there's no Malchus since uh, it's a lav shein bom So all the acheretim ask on the Rambam, what are you talking about? You move there, you hired a mover, you, set, you bought an apartment, a guy settles there. Why is it a lav shein bom The answer is, it sounds like for the Rambam, the Easter is not going. As you see from the fact, you can go and travel there for business. The Iser is not going. The Easter, according to the Rambam, is staying there. That's the Easter, according to the Rambam. <laughs> So that's why uh, uh, let's say Rabbi Herzog writes in the Shuvah Yitzchak that this is not limited to business. A person wants to go to Mitzrayim. There was uh, different points, even in recent history, people used to go there for vacations or to visit Ben Azmanim, uh, boy, yeshiva boys, without telling their parents, would go into uh, Mitzrayim and have uh, a little vacation. Now I don't think they do that anymore. It's not, uh, it's not safe. For Pesach, yeah. they had a Pesach program? Sharm al-Sheikh had a Pesach Sharm al-Sheikh? Please don't. <laughs> There's plenty of other hotels. But anyway, there were... You, the, the people travel there at different points, even recently, and that's allowed as long as you don't have a mind to settle there. He claims if you move there for three years, then you're, you're, you're living there. Okay, it, probably a little bit less than that. But if a person goes and he stays there, then he's in violation of the Easter. If he goes just to visit, then it's allowed. That's the comment of the Talmud. In fact, the whole Easter is not going, the Easter is staying. So getting back, writes the Radvaz, since a person is allowed to go there temporarily, presumably the Rambam uh, only went there temporarily. And all these communities that went there, they only went there temporarily. They didn't have a mind to stay. In fact, if you know the history of the Rambam, the Rambam really was born in the southern, southern Spain. And then, uh, because of uh, Crusades, religious persecution, the Rambam had to flee Southern Spain. and fled to Morocco, and then from Morocco he came to Egypt. So Rambam was on the run, as were many Jews at the time. So they didn't come there having a mind to settle. They came there temporarily. They were running away. But then the Radbaz "Vim but a minute, the Rambam settled there." Tixu the Rabeino at the end of the second line, he settled there. How can we justify that? So we got to the point. Okay, we we got him. You know. Uh, a visa, he got into Mitzrayim he was only planning on staying there you know, temporarily, but, uh, yeah, but the Ramam settled there so says the Radvazi and historically it seems to be accurate the Ramam had no choice once he came and he was a doctor he was, uh, became prominent in the community for diplomats and kings so the Ramam had no choice but to stay and there was no other safer place to go the Ram was on the run as were many Jews at the time so he says, and says the So he says, I got stuck there. There was nothing I could do. He came there temporarily, and then uh, he became stuck. He wasn't able to leave. So the Radvaz said, That seems to have been what, uh, what occurred to the Rambam as well. So he only came temporarily, which is permitted. Um, but he got stuck there, whether because it was dangerous to leave or because he wasn't allowed to leave, uh, you know, because the Egyptians uh, <laughs> required him to stay. But perhaps you could take the argument even a little bit further, not just that the Rambam couldn't leave, but perhaps uh, it's even more fundamental. The Rambam writes in his parish of Zara. we have mentioned this comment in the past, that not only is one not allowed to enter into a base of Zara. But, says the Raman, you're not allowed to live in a town that has a base of a desire. Any town that has a base of a desire, which according to the Ramam includes a church, you're not allowed to live in that city, not only not to enter into the church. Writes the Raman, One minute. Any place where they have this uh, church, you're not allowed to live there. So, he says, so then, it, how, how, how are we able to live in all of these cities? Every city we live in has a church. Even though the Ramam says when you live in an unethical society or certainly in a, ha- a c- city where there's a base of a desire, you should flee the city, even go live in the mountains, the Ramam says. But what choice do we have? We have no choice. We're living in, in, in Galos. Every uh, city we go to, there's a base of others desire. We have no choice, and that's part of the curse of living in Galos, is we can't avoid it. So perhaps, uh, with that line of thinking, perhaps the Ramam felt, yes, there's a prohibition of living in Mitzrayim, but guess what? That's the, the, you know, paradigmatic trade for Medina, but they don't have a monopoly on being a trade for Medina. Every Medina that has, uh, every city that has a a church in it already, by definition, is a trade for Medina. You're not allowed to live there. So if you're not allowed to live anywhere then, okay, so the Ramam felt, so then what's, uh, it's it's not necessarily worse to live in Mitzrayim than anywhere else. Because according to the Ramam, you can't live anywhere. So, why should mitzrayim necessarily be any worse? Although Christianity wasn't actually about a zara, oh, according to the Rambam, it is. and Presumably, for Jews, any other religion is a zara. Uh, in my opinion, Islam is also a zara. Whether for them it's a desire is a separate issue than whether for us it is. So this would be a very pro zionistic argument, even if you're not Zionist. So therefore, so therefore, rise the Ritva. Look back; the Ritva seems to echo this opinion, or perhaps even takes it a step further. Look back at Oysdah and rise the Ritva. At the end of the second line, whenever there's a possibility of living there at Israel, now that we're strewn about in Galus, it's all treif. There's only a prohibition to leave Eretz Israel to go to Chutzlars, but you already live in Chutzlars, so then why should Mitzrayim necessarily be any worse? They're all bad. They're all uh yeah. Is it true that there were rabbis who preferred to move to Tel Aviv because there are churches in Yerushalayim? I don't know. I never heard that before. It's, it's First wad- time I'm hearing that. Is there special offices, wad- yes. Tribe, right? Yes, you've heard people say that. Yeah, when the rabbis came to Tel they went to Tel Aviv. They didn't
1: go to Yerushalayim. Uh huh. Because there were churches in Yerushalayim.
0: Shh. I didn't know that. First time. Yeah. Azay, hat azay. Okay. So this, <coughs> excuse me. So this could perhaps justify why the Jewish communities existed throughout Jewish history in Mitzrayim is because they didn't have the opportunity of going to Eretz Yisrael. The Rambam didn't either. So then, what difference does it make if you settle uh, all uh, cities that have a base of a thezara? Uh, are prohibited. So what difference does watch uh, Mitzrayim necessarily uh, be any worse? However, and this would also help us understand why the Gemara says in Masuk the Sukkah, that the community of Alexandria was punished, because they lived there during the period of the Bayashani. So they had the opportunity of living in Eretz Yisrael, and they didn't go. They stayed in Mitzrayim. Oh, so then, when you have the opportunity of living in Eretz Yisrael, the Mitzrayim, the, the, the prohibition becomes enforced, uh, because uh, Mitzrayim is... Uh, what about in Babel? They all stayed in Babel in the Bavel, there's no Easter to live in Bavel, <coughs> but here there's an Easter to live in Mitzrayim. So once there, you have the opportunity of living in Eretz Israel. So now to choose to live in Mitzrayim uh, would uh, would in fact uh, be yaser. According to this uh, suggestion of the uh, Chedusha Aritvan, there's justification that's made for the Rambam. Yeah. Is there a difference between returning to Mitzrayim and being born there. No, I don't think so. What difference does it make? I don't know. So one possibility, again, so to argue that the Easter was only uh, limited for a certain time and to that Egyptian culture seems difficult. Uh, the Rambam seems to quote the Eser, even applying to all subsequent cities and subsequent cultures that were settled in Eretz Israel. But perhaps you could justify the Rambam that he went there only temporarily. He didn't have a mind to stay. How was he able to stay, either because <laughs> he became trapped there or because, and this is a Rabbi Rucham pearl out suggestion for the Rambam, or because he felt that all of Eretz Yisrael uh, is no uh, better, you know, you know, and they are all not allowed to live there either, they're all infested with Havadah Zarah. So then, uh, if we don't have the opportunity of living in Eretz Israel in the ideal environment, some tribe necessarily shouldn't be, any, uh, shouldn't be any worse. A, a final justification that the Rishonim have for how there were Jewish communities in Egypt, for the practice of the Rambam, for staying there, is based on a comment of the Sefer Yireim. It's quoted by Ibn Bachia, it's quoted by, this, uh, by the Smag, and that is, Rabbeinu, uh the Sefer Yireim is Medayak, and the Pesach and Sefer, in, in Parsha Shoftim, where the Pesach tells us, on the second line back in the Mechilta, You shouldn't take the nation back to Mitzrayim in order to buy horses. You shouldn't go back on that path that I took you out of Mitzrayim. So Sefer Yireim writes, the only time there's an Eser is if you go from Eretz Israel back to Mitzrayim. You backtrack along the same path that Curtis Baruch Hu took us from Mitzrayim to Eretz and you go back from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim. But if you go a different way, like uh, fly from New York uh, to Mitzrayim, or you flee, like the Rambam, from southern Spain to, M- to Mitzrayim, then there's not necessarily an Easter. It's only an to backtrack along that same path that Curtis Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim, you go back from Eretz Israel, uh, took us from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael, you go back from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim. So much so that. Uh, the Shoyl writes in the Sefer on the Divrei Shoyl on Parshas Masay. That's why the Torah lists the forty-two masos. Everyone discusses when it's Parshas Masay. Why is the Torah bother listing these forty-two masos uh, that Klal uh, Yisrael? Uh, you know, pit stop uh, that they, they went through on their way from Eretz Yisrael. What difference does it make? The doyry. So he writes, no, it makes a difference because that is the route that you have to follow in order to violate this ezer of returning to Mitzrayim. You have to go back and stop at those same uh, stops along the way in order to violate the ezer. The problem with that—I uh, mean, that's an extreme suggestion. The problem with that is the Gemara says to Sukkah. The, the community in Alexandria was punished. Do we really think for returning to Mitzrayim? Do we really think that they, um, that they returned along that exact same route, stopping at those same stops? It almost sounds like, you know, uh, uh, oh. like the kind of Benseru Mura, that rejoice for Kabul Scar, no one would ever, it uh, could, could never be violated again in the future. And yet the community of Alexandria was punished. So that most Akhrainim right reject the suggestion of the Shalom You don't actually have to return along that same path. But right. they all quote the Savior Reign, perhaps. It's only if you go. From Eretz Israel to Mitzrayim, and it's, uh, we can assume that the community of Alexandria left during the period of Aishani and went and settled in Mitzrayim, and that's why they were punished. I think that didn't Raman go from, from Morocco to Israel before into went Oh, he stopped in Eretz yeah, I think so. I don't know. Uh, how how, they, punished? <coughs> huh? how they punished in Alexandria? They were all killed. The Gemara says, even though they had such a big community, they were all wiped out by Alexandria's smokedom. So perhaps it's because they went from Eretz Israel to Mitzrayim. The problem is. That the Achrayim asked, I'm sorry for even the Rishayim already asked, on the Sefer Uraim, that that's one Passock and Parashat Shaeftim that describes this Easter. But the, the Easter is already described in this week's Parashah, and there, there's no mention made that you have to follow along the, you know, return, backtrack along the same route. The Passock says in Parashah Shaftim, the Mitzrayim that you saw today, you'll never see again. That doesn't have to be a. Uh... Uh, you could wow. say that, you could say that. The pa- Pasukim Parshish Kisavu makes no mention of going back along the same route. So there's three psukim which address this Easter, the Mechlota says all three, and yet the Sefer Uraim's dear, is only from one, is from So it fits into one Pasukim shapes and it doesn't fit into the other psukim. So the Achorayim suggests his comments on the Rasag, and many others uh, have suggested the same approach within the Sefer Uraim. That perhaps, and it would justify many of the other comments of the Rishonim that we've seen, is that perhaps there's in fact two Isurim. The Bahag is the only one of the Rishonim, but the Baal Halachas Gedolus in fact counts two Isurim to return to Mitzrayim. He first quotes our pasuk and parshas B'shalach, Ki Asher is Mitzrayim, One Yisur to return to Mitzrayim, then a second one, um, not to return. But according to the pasuk of Parashas Shavutim, Lo so he quotes two Yisurim. Why? Because in fact they relate to two different aspects of returning to Mitzrayim. One is not to be a part of the, live amongst that Egyptian culture which was so corrupt. That's reflected in the Pesach and Parshish B'Shalach here. The Mitzrayim that you saw today, you should not see again. You shouldn't live in that Egyptian culture, those Egyptian cities. Perhaps that's what Rabbeinu Bachia was talking about, the smog. The Ritva that if you settle in different cities or it's a different culture, so an of came he was Bilbo's Umays, So then it no longer applies. That's one eser of returning to Mitzrayim, or one part of the eser is not to live in that corrupt Egyptian culture. But then there's a second part of the eser, and that's or a second eser entirely that's mentioned in the Pesach and Parashat and that's not to return to Mitzrayim along that same path that the Kodesh Baruch Hu took us out not to go back from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim. And the Safi Yireim believes that's not because Mitzrayim is inherently corrupt, as we explained before, perhaps because of a different reason. It's only if you go from Eretz Yisrael back to Mitzrayim, backtracking along the same way that the took us out. Why? Because you're regressing. A Kodesh Baruch Hu took us out in the process of Geulah from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael. If you go back from uh, Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim along that same path, you don't have to make the 42 stops like the, the Reishol said. The Shomayim, so you have to stop at the very same places. But if you travel from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim, you're you're taking the process of Geula uh, back. And there's nothing more frustrating in life uh, than when a person either feels that he's stagnating, or uh, certainly if he feels he's regressing, if he's backtracking, and to take the process of Geula, uh, where Kodesh Baruch took us out of Mitzrayim, brought us to Eretz Yisrael, and to go back from Eretz Yisrael, back to Mitzrayim. That's uh, we feel like we're we're backpedaling. And that's uh, that is the nature of the prohibition of returning to Mitzrayim. Mean, they are taking the process of gaula and setting it back. But that's not the Ram Sheita. Because Ram says ain't like in love." and that'll be Lapshish Tramais and you have not quote that anyway. Ah, this associated with an action. Yeah. Yeah, right. The Rambam, this doesn't seem to be the opinion of the Ram. I said the opinion of the Ram yeah. seems to be Eretz Yisrael, uh, that Mitzrayim is itself like the, f- the other side of the coin of Eretz Israel. It's uh, itself inherently corrupt. The land is bad. But according to the Sefer Yireim, it sounds like perhaps there's two, or, or according to Rabbeinu Pachya and the Smag and the Ketush Ritzvah, what we'll have to say is there's two parts of the prohibition. There's one part to live amongst the Egyptian people, and that uh, perhaps, on Cheyrev Kemu, was doing this <throat> doesn't apply. But then there's a separate Esther to return from Eretz Israel to Mitzrayim because you're taking the process of Geulah. And setting it back, and that's why the community in Alexandria was punished, is because they went back. And I think that's uh, we can uh, we can make that assumption, is that they went back from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim, setting the process of Gula back, and that's why they were punished. <clears throat> Rav Hirsch, in his comments on Chumash, has a different explanation of the Sefer Yeram. That the reason why you're not allowed to go back uh, the east to go to Mitzrayim is only is if you go from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim. Not because you're setting the process of Gula back, Quddish Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim to Eretz Israel, and here you are uh, taking us uh, back, you know, kind of resetting or you know, undoing everything that Quddish Baruch Hu tried to accomplish, but rather it's for a different reason. Ref Hirsch writes that it's because if you look throughout, say, for Breishis, when is it that we always go to Mitzrayim? When are the others traveling to Mitzrayim? Whenever there's a problem in Eretz Israel, there's no food in Eretz Israel. So we have to go to Mitzrayim to get food. They're a more stable community, Eretz Israel was is more in flocks, We have to go to Mitzrayim, always food in Mitzrayim. And in fact, that's what Yosef and Paro tried to create, was this kind of dependency on Mitzrayim. That everyone should have to come to Mitzrayim, they should be the stable economy in the area, and everyone should have to come to Mitzrayim in order to get food. So, the rights of Hirsch, that is the nature of the Eser, of going back to Mitzrayim. The nature of the Eser is, when you demonstrate that Eretz Yisrael is not sufficient, and I need to go back, you know, because we have this dependency on Mitzrayim, we have to go back uh, to Mitzrayim in order to uh, regain our stability, regain our footing. And it's a kind of Lashon Hara you know, It speaks badly about Eretz Yisrael. So if you go from any other land to Mitzrayim, you don't, haven't necessarily violated the Eser. The violation of the Eser, according to the Sefer Uraim, other than the Eser of living amongst the Egyptians, we discussed, but for the Eser of traveling back from Eretz Israel to Mitzrayim is because you're demonstrating that Eretz Yisrael uh, continues to be dependent on Mitzrayim, which was the exact uh, trend that leaving Mitzrayim was trying to break. This could perhaps, he explains, this could perhaps explain a difficult comment of Rashi. And that Pesach and Pasha Shaved him. Pesach says, The king should not have too many horses, lest he will lead us back to Mitzrayim. Because where did they buy horses? They bought them in Mitzrayim. So Rashi writes, the problem with having too many horses, you're going to go back to Mitzrayim to buy the horses. Pasha Pshat in the Chumash. Going to go back to buy the horses. Saramban so disagrees with Rashi. He says, No problem going back to buy the horses. We already said you could go back to Mitzrayim to do business. So even if we go back to buy the horses, what's the problem? We have to go there to buy horses. You're allowed to go there to do business. Nothing wrong. So perhaps Rashi meant, No, if we always need horses, we're going to have to set up a community there. It's just too much. That's reading a lot into Rashi. Rev Hirsch suggests, No, what Rashi means is, that if you want to do business there, you want know, start a hotel, run your Pesach program, fine. We're not dependent on Egyptian economy. You want to do business, do business. But if our whole defense—this was for chariots—our whole defense uh, establishment is dependent on Egyptian horses. That's the nature of the sir. You want to do random business dealings there, fine. Go to visit. The Prakmati Oscher is allowed. But if you're going to demonstrate that we continue to be dependent on Egyptian society to gain horses, then our whole defense mechanism is based on uh, Egyptian horses, so then that's the nature of the prohibition according to Rehersh, which is uh, to maintain a dependency on Mitzrayim. And the whole reason the Kurdish Baruch who took us out of Mitzrayim was to break that dependency, that cycle of dependency uh, on Mitzrayim. So that's that? why our first claims the Yisra is only to go from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim, which demonstrates some so- sort of dependency. So the historical boundaries of, the, of Mitzrayim when the Isra was… The Ram- Ramam says that he tells you that right. he says minayama god about In the original boundaries, it was, in, it was a, it's a new city. But it's within the boundaries. Yes, yes, you have to really know that. So if it's totally in the land, like you said, like right. Muslim, you really have to know what the boundaries of Islam were in those right. Totally, civilization it doesn't really matter if they expanded to other areas. Than the right. That's right. I thought from the fact that Rahman gives you the boundaries, he understood that it's something that's inherent in the land. The, otherwise, why would he bother giving you the boundaries? Either way, Rabbi said we should hope for a day in the very soon that everything should not be dependent on the Umas Ha'olam to defend itself. And HaShem, we should not see the process of Gaulah you know, regressing, but in HaShem, we see the process of Gaulah continuing with the coming of Shia from Amen. Amen. <coughs> so uh anybody else?